Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. This weekend's always a funny one because um, it just we've eaten so much turkey. Yes? Anybody eat? So Wednesday night, I went to my mom's house. We ate turkey until I felt it right here. Thursday morning, we went to the airport, picked up my son. He came back from college. We drove up to Estes Park, and my mother-in-law had turkey, ham, and prime rib. Um, and so I ate until here at noon. And then we hang out, and we do uh, you know, just some fun family stuff, play some games. And we were hungry again at 7. I don't even know how that's possible. But then at 7 o'clock, I ate turkey and ham and prime rib until up here again. Um, and I can tell by the response, that's what you did too. I call this weekend tryptophan weekend. Uh, but you guys are going to overcome that. I, last night, the group did, and I know this group is always better than our Saturday night group in the fact that you're going to interact with me, you're going to engage with me, and you're going to overcome that turkey hangover and participate in this weekend's message. Yes? Okay, see, no, I'm believing in you, yes? Okay, there we go. Hey, uh, we are in a series on love, and uh, we are wrapping it up, actually. <clears throat> and if you have not had a chance to listen to the first three messages, go to our Facebook page. You can look up Shine Church CEO for Colorado, and uh, you can go to the video section, and you can listen to all the messages, uh, but in particular, the three messages leading up to this, because what we have covered and what we've gone over is we've talked about um, just the biblical definition of love. We looked into the three or four different words uh, in the Greek that make up or are interpreted in the Bible by the word love. Uh, there's agape, unconditional, un. Um, selfish love that we give. There's phileo, brotherly love, or a fondness, like I love pizza. Um, there's storge, which is a love of family members that hopefully you had over Thanksgiving. Okay, good, I was just checking. Uh, and then there's eros love, which is kind of an intimate love. Um, and then uh, Janelle did an incredible job week two talking about love in action. And then last week I talked about defining love a little bit. And I actually even challenged you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and kind of go through the aspects where it says love is. And to kind of pull those things out, look up the definition, maybe go into the Greek yourself. I gave you a little uh, study tool. Again, if you didn't listen to that message, go online and grab a hold of that. This week what I want to do, though, is I want to talk about what love is not. And um, I just want you to know that this is, uh, it's going to be a message that, to be quite honest with you, is not necessarily politically correct. You guys okay with that? Okay. And so uh, I'm going to open up with a word of prayer and ask that God would use me and give me the right words. Would you open your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and touch you and receive what God would have for you uh, this morning? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and uh, God, I thank you that you are the God of love and I think that you have shown love to us by sending your son Jesus uh, on our behalf. And God, I pray that we would embrace that and we would embrace the fact that um, you have not only given us love, but you've given us truth. And God, I pray that you would help us through this word, uh, put the two together, and that we would be a people that would not only be loving, but that we also be a people that know, understand, and speak forth the truth. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would speak through me. Anything that would be of the flesh, I pray that would those words would not make it out of my mouth, but Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would use me, that I would decrease so you could increase in me so that the words that I give would penetrate into the hearts of everybody listening. And God, we pray that you would touch our hearts, touch our lives. God, use this message to make a difference, not only in our personal lives, but God, use this message to make a difference in the world that we live in, the people that we interact with. And Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. All right, if you have your Bible, uh, if you could turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, <clears throat> I'm going to read a section of scripture, and I want you to think about people that you interact with, um, people all the way from uh, government officials to maybe uh, your boss or coworkers, maybe to your neighborhoods, um, and then I want you to be thinking about maybe even your family and um, probably... Uh, maybe even most important, I want you to think about uh, the person that you look at when you stand at a mirror. As I read through these, it says this, in chapter 3 of Second Timothy, it starts by saying, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, 
proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. As I read through that list, do you know of anyone, have you come in contact with anyone that has a few things on that list that they're dealing with? Anybody? Do we live in a time where our government has a few of these things going on in their government, in our government, yes? How about where you work? Do you see any of these things happening where you work? Help me out. Yes? yes? How about in your neighborhood? See some of this as your neighbors yell at you when you drive by too fast, but then they drive really fast too? Anybody? How about when you look at yourself in the mirror? Do you see any of these things on this list? You know what? Uh, it's funny because it says in the end times there, but that list right there of things that um, are, are really self-motivated, that really go against the subject or the concept of love, those things right there, um, they're not new to just now. They're not just new to the end times. They're things that were happening in the time of Jesus. They were things that were happening before Jesus. You know what? They were things that started happening when Adam and Eve ate that apple. Yes? Wait, Kim and I were driving to Estes Park and we saw a sign, thought this was interesting. It said, Adam and Eve were the first people that didn't read the Apple user agreement. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, that was good. Um, you know, we have all of these things that are listed here and I think we can, I, you know, I'm gonna be open and transparent. There's a few things on that list that as I read, I'm like, okay, I struggle with that. You wanna know which ones? <laughs> Too bad, I ain't telling you. You'll have to get to know me and find out. Um, so here's my question. Obviously, uh, those are the things that we struggle with. Those are the things um, that would kind of go against that unconditional, unmerited love that, that I've been encouraging uh, all of us to share with one another. Um, it's not just for today. It was in Jesus' time. And so I thought that I would ask this question. What Bible story comes to mind? What story of Jesus comes to mind, to be more specific? that would be a good example of Jesus loving people in the midst of some of these things that were listed there. What Bible story comes to mind? Anybody? Yes. The prodigal son. Talk to me a little bit about that. Why? Okay, so it didn't obey his father, wanted his inheritance and wanted it now. Anybody? and then wanted to go and just do whatever he wanted to with it. He goes and squanders that entire inheritance, uh, finds himself eating or wanting to eat what the pigs were being fed because he got a job giving slop out and he wanted to eat that. Can you imagine? And so he comes back and he in his mind realized, man, I have messed up so bad that <clears throat> man, just to be a servant in my father's house, I'd be better off than feeding the slop. And yet, the picture that Jesus gives to us is a father that so cares for us, that so loves us, that not only is he looking for a son, but when he sees him, he goes running out. I love that story of God's love and how Jesus wanted us to see the love that he has for us. Really good one. Another story that comes to mind. Anybody? Yeah. Oh, Jesus crucified on the cross, hanging there, and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How cool is that? Now, what's really interesting about that is the first martyr that we read about, Stephen, you know what? He copied his hero. And as he was being stoned, he goes, hey, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. What a great example. And yes, God loves us so much that he gave Jesus his son. What a great story to just remind us of the love that he has for us. What else? What another story? Yes. Zacchaeus, what do you mean? The, I mean, what part of that Zacchaeus? <clears throat> so 
Okay, so here's this tax collector that was uh, taking money from people, and tax collectors in those days would actually take, uh, the, the rule was the government wanted this much, but whatever else they could get, they could keep. And so tax collectors, a lot of times, would just pull in all this extra cash and, and just keep it for themselves. And so they were viewed very, very negatively. And so here's this uh, tax collector that was short, we hear, because he climbed a tree so he could see Jesus. And Jesus didn't condemn him for how he did his dealings with the tax collecting. He actually loved him and said, hey, I'm gonna go to your house. And people, man, people around was, what is this guy doing? What, may we be a church where people look around and go, what are you doing? How can you love that way? Amen? That would be awesome if Shine Church could be that way. But what a great story of Jesus loving. What's another story that comes to mind? in the Bible, of Jesus just either showing love or giving a parable of, of love. Yes. The woman at the well. So here we have this story where Jesus and his disciples are traveling. They go to a place where a Samaritan woman is. And just so you know, Jewish uh, people did not mix with Samaritans. And so disciples went away. Um, Jesus starts to talk to this woman and starts to interact and not only interact, but then begins to give the truth of who he is. Uh, it's one of the first times I think in the Bible where he actually says, I am Messiah to, to her. And I mean, it's just interesting that he would give that love to somebody that he's not even supposed to interact with. How many of you are glad that God gives love to people he probably shouldn't interact with? You know, this list of things that I just read, man, this is things that Jesus probably shouldn't interact, but God does love and he does interact with us, yes? Man, those are great stories. The one that came to my mind as I was preparing for this was the woman who was caught in adultery. And I want to read that story. It's found in John chapter 8, if you want to follow along. <clears throat> I'm going to start in verse 2. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. <clears throat> and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Isn't it interesting that they were using this woman to try to trap Jesus? They were trying to trap him. They are trying to accuse him. And yet in the midst of this, we see his heart and great love. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. When the woman was still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. <clears throat> then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, I do not have the time today to go into a message just on this story because it's an incredible story. Um, but here's what I want to pull out of this. That God's love was portrayed in my eyes in two ways here. First, obviously for the woman who was caught in adultery, but his love was also portrayed to those that came to accuse her. Do you know what? He gave them a second chance by showing, I don't know what he was writing. I don't know if he was writing their sins or what. I don't know what... Nobody really knows what he was writing, but here's what we do know, that those that came to condemn her, whatever he wrote or whatever he was drawing there, they began to realize, oh, wow, I have some of those things on the list too. And they realized, man, I can't condemn her without myself being condemned. And I want you to get that point because we live in a world where all kinds of craziness is happening, yes? We have people embracing sin now and not really calling it sin. Yes? And so that's where I'm gonna go today. I wanna go into a so tough subject, and so I hope that you will give me the grace and actually respond back to me so that I know that it's, it's okay that I'm going into a hard subject and that you are okay with that, okay? As a pastor, I feel like it is my... Um, it's what I've been called to do, to bring even some of the tough subjects out into 
these messages so that we can go into a world that is confused, a world that is lost, and we can bring love and truth into that world. Is that okay? All right, so um, here we have this woman who was caught in adultery. I think we would all agree that adultery is a sin, yes? This is where you respond, yes? Okay, and so because it's a sin, they obviously brought her before these men and, and they wanted him to stone her. Can you imagine her fear just going from, I'm gonna die right now, to all of a sudden all her accusers go away and then Jesus goes, hey, where is, well, there's no one here. And he goes, okay, but then he said something very interesting. He said, okay, well then I don't condemn you either, but go and sin no more. Okay, I got to thinking First off, what a great story of God's love for us. But then I wanted to bring in this to you. What other sins could have taken place here that we could apply into this story? For instance, if somebody had been caught stealing, could you say or title this story, The Man Who Was Caught Stealing? Would this story still apply? Yes? Okay, what other sins could we put in here? Help me out. What? Pride. The man who was caught in arrogance. Could that be held here in this story? Okay, I think so. Yes? Anybody say no? Okay, what's another sin? Lying. The woman who was caught lying. Could that be put into this story? Absolutely. What other sins? Rebelling against parents or speaking against parents. How'd you do this week? <laughs> Could that fit into the story? Yes? What else? Gossip. Oh, the woman who was caught gossiping. Man, do we live in a world where these things are happening? We do, don't we? How about this? Uh, the man who was caught drinking too much. Can we put that into this story? And here's what I love, is no matter what issue is in our life, we can put it in there and we find a God who loves us so much that he would come along and say, hey, where's your accusers? Oh, there's none around? Okay, then go and sin no more. He adjusts, he, he deals with the issue, but then he, he wants you to embrace that and go to the next place, which is, hey, don't do this any longer. Okay, but let's get real. Let's go into our world right now. How about the man who was caught um, abusing um, a child? Pedophilia. Does this story hold true for someone like that? Yes? How about this? How about the man and woman that were caught living together before they got married. Does this apply? How about the man or woman caught in homosexuality? Does this apply? It does, yes, yes. How about domestic violence? The man that was caught abusing his wife or children, does this apply? Yes, okay, here's the thing that I felt like God wanted me to do using this. You know what? When we say certain sins, we clearly put this in and go, yeah, that totally is. But you know what? In the world, there are certain ones that I just mentioned, some of the hot button issues in society today where people would get upset at me for calling it actually a sin. And there's arguments Pastor Dan, people are born that way. I totally, I'm not gonna fight. I'm not gonna even argue against that. But here's the truth. People are born with a propensity to steal. Do we let them steal? People are born with a propensity to drink. Do we let them drink? We need to be a people that come along and help others know that there is love, but that there is also truth that needs to be given in both situations. And so I, as I was praying through this message, I really felt like what God wanted me to do is, um, is pull out a balance situation because I think the world is, is telling us that we need to love, 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 but in the midst of that, I think we're missing 
out on truth. Could it be that the enemy is using something so good as the concept of love? Could he be using love to get us away from truth? Do you know that our enemy, he is deceptive? That's the only thing that he got, that, that, that he got. It's the only thing he got. Just seeing if you're listening. He is the, it's the only thing that he has that can come, he's trying to deceive us and ultimately he's trying to deceive the world. And so what he does is he uses the good things that God has created and he twists them so that he can pull us away from what God really truly intended. And man, it would be super easy to see hate as being the opposite of, of what God wants. But the enemy comes in and he actually uses the concept of love and he twists it so that his people will walk away from truth. You guys okay? And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk a little bit about truth and how to bring truth into a hurt and lost world. Second Timothy, if you flip, if you're in your Bible still, if you flip just one page, or maybe it's even the same page, chapter four says this. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Help me out, what's a charge? When it, when it says, I give you this charge, what is he saying? Yes. A task. A task. Okay, very good, Ken. What, what, you, what else do you, comes to mind when I give you this charge? Assignment. An assignment, okay. What else? A command, okay. Is it something that we should be looking to or doing? Okay, I totally agree with you. Good job, well done. I give you this charge. Preach the word. You know what? As I was studying this and thinking about this topic and realizing, hey, you know what? This is, could be go against the political correctness. I actually found myself reading that going, you know what? I've been called to preach the word. I'm going to preach this message. I'm going to give this the way that I feel like the Holy Spirit has led me to give it because I think we need boldness in this world. We need the courage to stand for what God says and the truth and what the, the word of God says. And it says, preach the word. It goes on, and says, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Now, here's what's interesting. We live in a world that doesn't want to be corrected. They don't want to be rebuked, yes? So that puts us in a really funny place because how are we supposed to love the world? How are we supposed to bring truth in when it's a world that doesn't really want to be corrected or they don't want to be rebuked? In some cases, they don't even want to be encouraged, which is crazy. But we've been called to correct, rebuke, and encourage. But then I want you to listen to this next part. It says, with great patience and careful instruction. See, church, we have churches in the world, capital C Church. We have, we have certain churches in this world that will hold up banners that says, God hates, and fill in the blank. And they're standing on truth, but they're not really bringing love, are they? And I felt like God wanted me to show you, you know what? There is a balance to the abundant life that God has given to us. And the picture that I get is like a pendulum. I should have had one. So a pendulum is something that you will, I, when, when I do like construction, we'll use a plumb bob, which is very similar. And if you need to know what a spot on the ceiling is directly down below on the floor, you put a plumb bob uh, it's like a pendulum that hangs from the roof and it spins around and it finally rests to that exact spot and you can mark that spot because you'll know that that is exactly where that is on the ceiling. It's a perfectly balanced position. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he lived in that perfect balance. Would you agree? He loved God with all his heart, but he brought great truth into this world. He lived in the perfect balance. And the first thing that I know about Jesus living in balance is he only did what the Father told him to do. We need to be people that only do what God tells us to do. But I wanted to bring this idea of balance into your life because I don't think any one of us gets a perfect center. None of us are perfect. But what we should be trying to strive for, what we should be trying to get to is that position of balance. And the truth is our plumb bob, our pendulum is swinging all over, isn't it? One day we might be strong on the truth but not have much love. Other days we might have a lot of love but we don't have much truth. And where the life is, is down here as close to center as possible. Is that good? And that's where we should try to live. And we get that by going and pursuing our relationship with the Lord. 
And then when we get that, we do these things. We teach about this love. We teach about this truth, but we do it with great patience and we do it with careful instruction. And it goes on and says this, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from truth and they will turn aside to myths. Church, are we not in this life right now, in this world, where people are trying to turn away from sound doctrine and they want to just hear things that their itching ears want to hear? Yes? And who's going to come into this world and who's going to bring this life and who's going to bring this truth if not the body of Christ? Who's going to do it? Nobody, but we're afraid. Yes? Man, I understand. Get this. I had somebody come up to me yesterday and go, man, I just, I thank you so much for this message, Pastor Dan, because I have been afraid. And she goes, I feel like I've got a boldness and a courage to step forth and step into my world a little bit more. Man, that's my heart. And I hope that you hear that. That's my heart for us today. Could the enemy be using the idea of love to keep us from truth? We all said yes, but help me out. What are some examples of that right now? What are some examples of the enemy using love that keeps us away from truth? Anyone? Yes. Mercy in a murder case. What do you mean by that? Okay, so mercy in, so because of love, somebody that should have been penalized for, a tr I mean, just a terrible thing, because of love maybe was extended a little more mercy than, than we think, yes? Um, and so I know people are on both sides of that, and I'm not going to get into that argument right now, but that could potentially be one where you have love that then replaces what truth is. Give me another one. Somebody have another example? Yes. Okay. Okay, so uh, transgender, gender identity issues. So, man, these are real life issues. Thank you for bringing that up. And as a church, I don't know why churches stay away from these things. We need to get into these things. We need to equip one another for these things. You know what? There is a concept in the world that says, hey, let's just love where they are. And when we do that, we abandon this. The word says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And listen, I understand there can be even chemical imbalances and different things that happen in our brain. But you know what? My Lord and Savior can overcome those things. And yes, we have to love the person, but here's what we need to, to separate from. We need to love the person. I know this is cliche. We need to love the person, but we need to hate the sin. We need to separate between the two. And what the church has done is, I don't want to deal with this, so I'm just going to look at you funny, and I'm just going to keep you outside the doors. Shine Church needs to be a place where people can come in, no matter how they look, no matter how they smell, no matter what they are dealing with, they need to feel like they have the freedom to come in and be who they are, and we need to be a people that go, how are you? Let me get to know you a little bit. Yes? I hope I'm not alone in that. How about this one? How about gossiping? When you're in a group of people and they start talking about somebody, do you not say anything because you want to show them love? How about this one? How about raising your children? Do you know that the word of God, I was reading Proverbs, I've been reading uh, Proverbs today. You know, there's a, there's a proverb that says, if you spare the rod on a child, you will hinder, this is my paraphrase, you will hinder their development. And we have a world that if you touch a kid with your pinky, you're in trouble. And out of love, we can't discipline our kids anymore. 
Uh, parents, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. Because if you walk in with three kids and you walk into the grocery store and your kids go off the handle and they're doing whatever, people look, oh my gosh. But if you were to put a hand on them, oh my gosh. Yes? Is this okay? It's not okay because what we're doing is we're abandoning truth in the name of love. And what's pro what the problem is, man, we are hindering our kids. How's it going? Man. Here's another one. How about people living together before marriage? I get this. Listen, there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of hurting. There's a lot of things in this life that cause us to make decisions and do things that probably we shouldn't do. As a matter of fact, when I first met Kim, um, my wife is right over here. Wait, there we go. She's so beautiful. Um, when I first met Kim, I heard her at the movie theater, like I told earlier. Um, and so we were working together at the movie theater. And um, right around that time, my parents, after 22 years of marriage, got divorced. And it hurt. It hurt. And I didn't quite understand it. And so I, <laughs> I made this statement to her out of my pain. I said, well, I'll tell you this. I will live with the person before I marry them because I need to make sure that we are compatible before we get married. And to her, my wife's credit, she looked at me and she says, well, if you want to be with me, that's not how it's going to be. Uh, yeah, give her a hand. You can give her a hand. That's awesome. Because what she did with love is she told me the truth. She told me the truth. You know, working at Jubilee Fellowship with Pastor John, from time to time he would bring this idea up, the fact that, you know what, when two people live together outside of marriage, it's, it's a sin. It's a sin. And um, he would bring it up, and it was interesting because every time he would bring it up, we probably have, would have four or five couples that would want to get married almost immediately. You know why? Because they just had never been told the truth. Because they live in a world where that's okay. It's just a social norm. And so people live together and out of love, nobody ever told them that biblically you're, you're out of line. Derek. I love that. Just for those listening online, Derek said, hey, it was countercultural back then as well. That's why Paul wrote about it. Paul was addressing issues that were going on. There's nothing new under the sun. We're dealing with the same issues. Yes, Derek, would you agree? We're dealing with the same issues that they were dealing with back then. And it was totally countercultural to actually come against that. You know, it's interesting because there's a, there's a statement we were talking as a teaching, and there's a statement in this world, and I know that you've heard this, and the world will say this, we need to just celebrate diversity. We need to celebrate diversity, yes? What are they saying? What, it's okay to be different, okay? And I'm not opposed to that, it is okay to be different. I'm, I'm different, but... <laughs> My wife tells me all the time I'm different. <laughs> but as long as I, am I different in the umbrella of this word? Okay, well, what else? When they say celebrate diversity, what else are they saying? Tolerate what? Tolerate everything. Tolerate everything. You know what's interesting about that? They say celebrate diversity, tolerate everything, until you say I'm a Christian and I believe this book, and they don't tolerate it at all. That's wrong. That's hypocritical. When you say celebrate diversity, but then you won't let me be who I am, you're a hypocrite. And church, we've allowed this to go on. What else are they saying when they say celebrate diversity? It's not a sin. That's absolutely. They're calling things that the Bible says are a sin, and they're calling them true. Yes. 
Right, celebrate diversity means that there's really, you can't get caught lying, right? You can't, because, because truth becomes relative, right? Well, <laughs> truth becomes relative. It's celebrate a relative truth is kind of what they're saying, yes? Yep, done. Just because it's good doesn't mean it's of God. But yet the world would say, hey, if you feel good, <laughs> you get it. celebrating a lack of accountability. It's not your fault you're this way. It's not your fault you did this. These are, these are good answers, yes. Religious tolerance. It's all one big thing, all dogs go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven, right? Okay, I, I can see that. But again, what's interesting is they, they use that for every religion belief system, except for when you start talking Christianity, man, all of a sudden they get their hackles rise up, right? Think about it. I, am I speaking truth? Yes. I mean, that's the world we live in. Yes. Throw me off. Yes. 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 Okay, Kim, let me... So one of the things that I've been taught in teaching is to make the problem really bad and then give the solution. So I'm not going to leave this group here where... And I hear your heart. What you're saying is, hey, we need to actually go out and love. You know what? I'm going to finish right now with talking about what do we do in a world where this stuff is going on? Because the truth is, when they say celebrate diversity, I, they want to love and they want to feel loved. Absolutely. But, but they got to take it all the way then if that's the case. And people who believe in the word need to be able to believe in the word too. So hold on. And if at the end I haven't answered that, let me know. There's also tough love. He turned those tables over and he absolutely, he, he, he took a whip and threw those tables around money. Can you imagine that scene? Money is flying around, doves are floating around. And I mean, it would have absolutely been, been crazy. Yes. You guys, are you reading my notes? You're ahead of me. No, that, absolutely. We need to listen and care. And Good. I'm glad you're not, and I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. Okay. Yes. Derek. I, I totally agree. Hey, hey listen. <laughs> listen, the, the truth is, this word, this word is offensive, yes? It is. And so, yes, we need to, uh, we need to, oh, man, you guys are taking me right where I want to go, which is this. We need to bring love, but we also need to bring truth. And we need to combine the two together. See, when the world says celebrate diversity, here's what I wrote. I think what they're saying is, will you celebrate my brokenness? Will you celebrate my brokenness? And we need to be a people that go, um, I will celebrate you, but I'm not gonna celebrate your brokenness. I'm gonna come alongside and love you, but I'm not gonna love the brokenness that is in you. And I want you to celebrate me, but would you please come into my life and not let me be okay with my brokenness? 
We need to be a people that sharpen one another. The proverb says, as iron sharpens iron, so another man sharpens another man. And the only way we do that, church, is if we first understand truth, and second, if we are willing to speak the truth in love to one another. I asked the teaching team, what is love not? And here were some of the responses. DJ said, love is not ignoring truth, but using truth to bring people to freedom. Rob said, love is not leaving God out of the equation. Darren said, love is not defining truth on our own. Oh, do we live in a world that's defining truth on their own? I wrote, love is not embracing someone. Love is not embracing someone's missing the mark so that they can feel better about themselves. Let me read a couple verses. John 4, 14, 6. Jesus answered to the people, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know what? I've read that scripture so many times. I can recite it from memory. I don't know if I ever fully understood the magnitude of the second portion. I am the way. I am the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. We live in a world that says, what is truth? You know what? Pilate said it when Jesus stood before him. How cool would this have been? Jesus just standing before Pilate, and Pilate goes, what is truth? What if Jesus would have gone, me? Because he is the truth. Man, you want to know what the truth is? Get to know Jesus Christ. You want to know what truth is? Get in a walking, talking relationship with him. Let him speak to you. Let him show you who he is. Let him show you who you are. Get in that relationship. Get in this book and understand Jesus is truth. John 1.17 confirms it and it says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Okay, so then what do we do? You know what? We've been talking about it and I'm gonna bring it up again. Jesus gave it to us in two simple commands. He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others. This is what we do. We need to love God and we need to love others. Love God. How do we love God? By getting to know him. How do we get to know him? Man, we spend time with him in prayer. We get into his word. We need to understand that the word, just even in this small little series, we've learned that God is love, that God is truth. Other things that the Bible says, he's holy, he's just, he's merciful, he's gracious. Man, there's so many attributes of God, and we cannot know those things until we get into this book. I encourage you, if you haven't, get into the Bible. Read the Bible so that you can live in this world and bring love and truth together to people. So Janelle said this when we were talking about it. She says, if you know the word, you can truly love people in the world. Know the word so you can love the world. I thought that was really good. Okay, so I'm not going to spend any more time on loving God, but how about this? We need to love others. And we love others by pointing them to Jesus. Rob Painter, in our conversation, said this. If we point people to Jesus, we can give them the opportunity to hear from Jesus about their sin. It's not our job to point out people's sins. Do you know the Bible actually says that when it comes to judging, we're supposed to judge people in the body, but when it comes to the world, we're not supposed to cast judgment. Let's let God do his job as we do our job. Yes? And our job is to plant the seed and to water that seed that points people to the good news of Jesus Christ. Janelle wrote this, or said this, it's not our job to point out people's sins, We have to point them to Jesus and let him point it out. Then she goes and said this, our job is to open the cell, but we cannot make them walk out. We realize, and even some of us in this room are still bound by certain things that we have. You remember that list that I started with? Man, we still have some of those struggles, don't we? Yes, we're bound by those things. And then how cool is it when somebody comes and gives you a nugget of truth that you're like, oh my gosh, and it opens the door, but we still have to make the choice to step out of the cell 
and to walk in that freedom. Do you know what John 8, 32 says? It says this, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, I did not study this out. It came to me last night, so I could be incorrect. And maybe some of you biblical scholars can help me out. But I don't know if there's a verse in the Bible where it says that love will set you free. Anybody? Derek? Can you think of one? Anybody else? Isn't that interesting? The world will say, love, 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 love. But guess what sets you free? Truth. But in order to give truth, church, you have to love. The problem is, we try to give truth, like you were saying, Julie, like you were saying, Kim, if we try to just give truth, but we don't have love, then we are just a sound, a clanging symbol. We're a sounding glong. We are not making any sense to people. You know how I know this works? Because I go to the Bronco game, and I walk out, and I'm walking by this guy with a big megaphone, and he's going, repent, the kingdom of heaven is in. You're going to hell. Repent, repent, repent. And nobody's gathering around him. He's speaking truth. It's true. We do need to repent. The wages of our sin is death. The Bible says that if we don't call upon the name of Jesus, we're going to hell. But his way of speaking truth, there's no relationship in it. And because there's no relationship in it, there's not much fruit. Yes? Church, we have to be willing to build relationship so that then we can point them to Jesus. And if given the opportunity, we can then bring in and put in truth. I had somebody come up to me last night and go, I'm just afraid to build relationship with people. I, they, actually, she said, I'm afraid to give truth to people. And I looked at her and I said, actually, you're afraid to build relationship with people. Think about it. It goes against our nature to actually want to build relationship with people that we don't agree with. Yes or no? And yet, what the Word of God and what Jesus did so great is that he went into situations, he went into scenarios, and he got with people who struggled with missing the mark. And he went right into their living room and he built relationship so that out of that relationship, their heart opened so that he could speak the truth. And he could say to the woman caught in adultery, okay, now you don't go sin anymore. Love has come down, but here's the truth. Now don't go sin anymore. Church, let's not be a people that are afraid to get involved and live life with other people that have different opinions, that have different thoughts, that maybe even were born in certain ways that they totally struggle with some of the hot button issues in life. Are you afraid to build relationship in that scenario? Because if you are, then you never will have the right to bring truth into them. And so what do people default to? They default to signs and banners that says God hates fill in the blank. And it's not right. And then the problem is, the whole world mocks the church because we're holding up banners that says God hate when we're supposed to be the people of love. How can that even be? Man, that is that pendulum swing way over here on truth that just has no love. And yet we have other churches that are ordaining homosexuals into pastoral ministries. Man, that is love to the pendulum all the other way. That's going against the word of God as well. And I would propose to you that that's not showing love either. Church, we can't be afraid of building relationships with people that are different than us. We have to ask God to lead us into those things so that we can establish relationship because out of relationship then comes the opportunity to speak truth. Do you know the verse right before 2 Timothy 3 that I read at the very beginning? The two verses before it says this. Opponents must be gently instructed 
in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of er, pleasure rather than lovers of God. You know what's interesting? Some of the hot button issues that we're dealing with in this section of scripture aren't even listed. If we can't help people who are boastful, how are we gonna help people that are dealing with really issues? And you know what? We have in our mind this sliding scale of sin that this one's worse than this one, that this one's worse than this one, and, and lying's, you know, a little white lie's not that big. Do you know what? Sin is sin in God's eyes. And we have to get our brain around that. And when I say sin, I want you to hear this too. Sin is not, you know, I think when you tell people you're sinning, I think people think that you're calling them evil. I think people interpret that and they hear you're saying I'm evil. Do you know what sin is? Sin is missing the mark. It actually can be, uh, a good example of it is, is in archery. You have a target and the bullseye, if you pull back the bow and you let the arrow go and it hits dead center, then that's perfect, that's Jesus. But when you pull back and you're trying to hit the center and you shoot and you still get into the second ring, do you know what that's called? It's called a sin. You're trying. You're trying to live a good life. You're trying to do the things of the word of God and you're trying and you're shooting and shooting and you miss and you miss and you miss. You know what? Those are sins. We all sin. But thanks be to God that Jesus' blood cover us because we're not sin. We're looked through the blood of Jesus Christ because of what he did, because he knew that we couldn't continually hit the center. Do you know what's evil in my eyes? When you pull the bow back and go, bam. The target's over here, but you know you're not aiming at it. And we live in a world where people are pulling it back and going, not only is this not a sin, but I'm totally gonna do it. I'm gonna have parades about it. And I don't care who I hurt as I go through this. That, in my mind, is evil. When you know you're walking away. But here's, here's something I want you to think about. We live in a world that, to be quite honest with you, I don't know if they've ever heard that it's true or not. And so what we think that they're doing by pulling that bow back and blatantly walking in these things Maybe they just have never been brought to a place where somebody loved them so much and cared for them so much that they brought the truth of what is happening. And ultimately, bringing them to Jesus so that God can then touch them. That section of scripture, listen to what it says again. By the way, it comes right after it says, stay away from foolish quarrels and controversies. Then it says, opponents must be greatly opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance. Gently instructed. In chapter four we read, we were supposed to preach, to correct rebuke and and encourage, and it says with great patience and careful instruction. How do you do these things? The only way to do that is to build relationship so that then you can have the opportunity to bring truth in. And when the two come together, Let me read what happens. Psalms 85. Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored Jacob's prosperity. You took away your people's guilt. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your fury. You turned from your anger. Return to us, God of our salvation, and abandon your displeasure with us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger for all generations? Will you not receive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your faithful love, Lord, and give us your salvation. I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people, his godly ones, and not let them go back to foolish ways. His salvation is very near those who fear him so that the glory may dwell in their land. Listen to this. Faithful love and truth will join together. 
faithful love and truth will join together. Righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will spring up from the earth and righteousness will look down from heaven. Also, the Lord will provide what is good and our land will yield its crop. Righteousness will go before him to prepare the way for his steps. Church, I believe what that psalm is saying is if we bring love and we bring truth together and we do it in a way where people will receive it, then restoration and reconciliation can come into this world. If we go into Castle Rock and we share our lives with people and in the midst of that, look for opportunities to the Holy Spirit to bring truth into that. Guess what? Revival can take place. Reconciliation can happen. People can come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, not because you beat them over the head with the truth, but because you brought the truth with relationship and love. And when we do that, when we come together as a body of Christ and we bring that truth and we bring that love together, then guess what? Man, we can see our city changed. We can see our county changed. We can see our state changed and the world changes, yes? But we have to be a people willing to go out into this world and establish relationship with people that maybe we don't see eye to eye with. Good? Kim, did I answer that question in that? <laughs> I got to think about it. I, I realize I've given you a lot to be continued. Yes? Perfect love casts out all fear, which we talked about in the very first week. We talked, you know what, I, I'm glad you brought that up because you know what God actually showed to me as I was preparing for that message, that the anxieties you have, the worries that you have, the fear that you have, you know what, when you apply God's love, man, it casts those things out. Do you know the world, do you know one of the reasons I think they say celebrate diversity is because they're afraid. They're afraid. And when they experience that perfect love, it casts those things out. And you can't give perfect love if you don't build a relationship. We can't. Julie, did that answer your question, your concern? We don't just beat people with truth. That's not what I'm saying, and I hope you didn't take that away. And I want to make sure you don't take that away. There's got to be a combination. I concluded, I concluded in my notes, let's be a people that join truth and love together so that the land can be restored. Let's be a people where we combine truth and love together so that our families can be restored, so that our neighborhoods can be restored, so that our city can be restored. And we, if we don't do this, church, then who will? Then who will? And we get opportunities every day. The grocery clerk, the bank teller, the person that's standing with you waiting in line, the problem that I think a lot of people do, the kamikaze Christians, is they just go to those situations and they bring the Bible and just bam, bam, bam. Man, what if we begin to just start building relationship where you always go to the same teller or you always go to the same grocery clerk so that you can get to know them a little bit. You can start sharing life a little bit with them. And then in the midst of that, watch the Holy Spirit give you an opportunity to drop a little truth in there. And then understand that our job is to plant the seed and to water it, but it's God's job to then call them to repentance. It's his kindness that brings them to repentance. And guess what? We get to show that kindness. It's one of those things that love is. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the fact that there's great balance in the two of them. And God, I pray that we would be a people that would combine the two of them. God, give us great insight and wisdom on how to do this. God, I pray that we'd be a people that would come to you in prayer and not try to figure this out on our own. But God, we would come to you and say, Heavenly Father, show us how to build relationships with people. Show us who to build relationships with. And God, as we do that, God, I pray that we would then become very sensitive and very in tune to your spirit so that when there is opportunity to bring truth, that we can do it. God, not only help us to be a people that love and 
bring truth to others. But God, help us to be a people that have our hearts open to receive truth from other people that are um, in relationship with us. God, there's not a single one of us in this room that is perfect. And so we recognize that and we recognize that there are certain areas in our personal lives that you may use someone else to bring a nugget of truth. And Lord, help us to be open to receiving that. Help us not to be defensive like the world so much is, but help us to be humble and open to receive those nuggets so that we can change. And so we can get some of those things that are on that list knocked off out of our life. Yeah, we thank you for the fact that you interact with us, that you care for us and you love us, and that you do so through other people. <laughs> and so, Lord, as we conclude this series on love, God, help us to understand what it truly means to love one another and to love this world as we help people to come to you and see how good you are and as we bring truth into their lives, God, help us to do it in a loving and a kindness and a gentle and instructive way. Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen, amen.